talking about life, faith, and everything in between. This is Messy Christianity. And welcome back to Messy Christianity. Three ordinary guys, my compadres, my cohorts, <laughs> my three amigos, Brent and Kevin and Jeff. So today's topic, I think, is one we have all struggled with at some point, and I think we still struggle with it, and we will always struggle with it, because it gets to the root of faith, and it gets to the root of calling, and uh, just all of these fingers that come out of it, it's so, it's so complicated, yet mm. biblically it's kind of very simple, and that is... How do we follow God and what he calls us to do when we don't have enough resources? You ever found yourself in that position? God says, do this, and you go, okay, but with what? I would say yes, and uh, jumping the gun, as many biblical stories can echo that same sentiment. Um, God calls before we're ready, before we know we're ready. Um, what, are some of those, what are some of those biblical examples, just off the top of your head? Moses. Moses. He was Moses. called to lead the people, and his excuse was, but I can't speak, right? Yep. I don't have enough. What else? I'm a stutterer. Yep. David. Yep. Called as a shepherd boy, not ready to take on the kingship for many years to go. Yep. Um, Look at the disciples. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just Classic. Who's who there? Yeah, All-star exactly. team, right? Absolutely. So why does do why does God do that? Why does God call the ill-equipped in order to do uh, His work? What's His purpose? I, I think there's some, that might even be a challenge on on words right there because right. it's our idea that we're ill-equipped, not God's idea. God doesn't call the ill-equipped; He calls those whom He's called, who He's given a destiny and provision. Uh, I love this statement. I've I've read it numerous times. It keeps coming up over and over and over again in my readings here lately is that where God gives vision, God gives provision. Yeah. Now, that is a challenge going back to the very topic, how can we do things when we don't have the provision that we need to do that? And it ties in with faith, and do we really need the provision that we think we need in order to do the task that he's called us to? Maybe it's a step of faith where I just have to start the walk and not worry about what's going to happen 10, 20, 30 steps into the future because I need to be focused on step number one and step number two. Mm. It's a test of faith. You know, I'm not sure I believe believe that. I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but I think we are really equipped. And the equipping that he, that, but the equipping comes when he calls us and as we are being obedient to that. And so maybe it's semantics here, but... But I know I and myself am ill-equipped to do so many things. Okay, let's let's just talk about something simple. Let's say we need a roof on the church, right? Which we do. Which we do. And so that's going to cost, uh, if we have somebody do it, forty five, fifty thousand dollars If we do it ourselves, maybe twenty, twenty five. Mm-hmm. So we don't have that money to put a roof on. So does that mean we're equipped? Or does it mean we're ill-equipped but we still have to do something? I know a simple earthly example but but I, I would argue actually both points. I would say we're ill-equipped, but God will provide as our obedience, as in each step we're obedient as a church. And so he equips those 
in their ill-equippedness. <laughs> I just ran a circle around, didn't wow. I? Wow. <laughs> I mean, we have to understand where the power comes from, and that's really the essence of it. It's, yes. it's faith. It's the Holy Spirit of God that dwells right. within us. So if the struggle is, I don't have the provision, I don't have the, I don't have what's necessarily to do whatever is, is the next step, and faith ties into it, it, it Yes, play on words. We're not equipped in ourselves, but we are equipped because we have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. So the first, when we started talking about this topic, the verse that came to mind is Second Peter chapter 1. And I'm just going to read this real quick out of the NIV. It says, Second Peter 3, uh, 1 verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that verse can continue on to, to the entire context. Now, that doesn't answer a question like, how do I come up with money to put roof on a building? Or how do I make budget uh, for, for my home household at the end of the month when I don't have a paycheck coming in? Or how do I provide this for the children or answer college funding issues? I mean, those are questions that not encompassed in that scripture, but that scripture does promise that we have everything that we need. So where is that balance? And where is the faith? Where is mm-hmm. the listening to the Holy Spirit and taking the steps by faith that's necessary to be obedient in that? I think that's really where the rub is, is right. what what is the next step? What does faith actually look like being stepped out when it's in all of these situ- situations are financial? Yeah. So in the great theological movie Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. which um, one? I don't. I think it's We're the in first Brent's. one. We're in his wheelhouse now. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. I forgot. We yeah. We got an expert. It's the one where where they come to this giant abyss and they have to get across it. Yep. And the only way for them to get across is to take a step. And as they step, the bridge. a a bridge appears. The Last Crusade. <laughs> oh my He's gosh. going to get the the cop <laughs> to take Brent care Allen, of his father, who has been shot by the bad guys, yes. bleeding out. He needs the cup of everlasting life. Anyway. Yeah. Here we go. Like I said, the great theological movie. <laughs> yes. But but I I really think that is the principle by which God works. He says, I, I think he calls the inadequate in ourselves. So in our flesh, we're inadequate. And the funny thing is, the more we think we are adequate, the less adequate we actually are. I agree but with that. But as we take a step, he says, okay, I'm going to match your step. But I'm not just going to match it one for one. I'm going to match it ten to one. And then he's going to give us just enough for that step, and then he's going to go, okay, take another one. And isn't that about relationship? Isn't that about a father loving his children? I mean, don't you don't you do that with your kids? I do with mine. I don't give them everything they need right away. I want them to work for it, yeah. not because I want them to suffer, but because I want them to grow. You know, as I'm listening to this whole conversation, like the the whole thing is, um, you know, how do we do it? How do we do a job when? For God, how do we do an assignment from God when we don't feel equipped? Um, and, and oftentimes the answer to that is, well, I'm going to, and we've maybe even taught this in, in church growing up, but well, let's go through a time of training and get you equipped, mm. and then we'll send you out um, into this task. But maybe that whole thing is wrong because if we, I think we just said it here, but if we ever get to the point where we feel like we're equipped, um, Aren't we at that point faithing ourselves and not faithing yeah. God? So maybe we always not not maybe I believe we really always need to feel that um, that lack of being equipped. I mean, there's so then there's that dependence that's always there. Well, isn't that what he did with the disciples? He he called them to himself and he spent a little bit of time showing them ministry, mm-hmm. 
And very soon into the deal, he goes, okay, now you go do it. What are we supposed to do? Okay, I want you to not take a bag, and I want you to go two by two, and I want you to cast out demons, and I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to raise the dead. And and they came back, and they were like a mixture of excitement and probably fear. Can you imagine that when Jesus first gave that assignment, okay, I want you to go cast out demons and to heal the sick. Well, time out, Jesus, what? (laughs) You know, what what did you just say to me? Say what? But keep in mind, he also said— I want you to do what you've been seeing me do. Right, right. And I think that's part of the training process. He's not asking us to do more yeah. than than what he's calling us to do. And I think that, that might be taking us taking the liberty a little bit too far. Maybe God's not calling us to something so that huge. is so yeah. that's so big we can't even grasp. Maybe it is for the future, but that's right. not necessarily for the day. And talking about practical ways to make this flesh out in our lives. Very rarely are we called to this, whatever that calling is, by ourselves. Right. Usually it's with a group of people, a group of Christ followers. And so one of the things that I try to purpose in my life is to surround myself by godly men and women who yeah. can encourage and equip me and help point me in the right direction so that I can ask hard, God-centric questions mm-hmm. that they can both challenge me and encourage me and help me to see whether or not what I'm seeing is of God or if it's of the flesh, mm-hmm. because it, it truly is a battle. That's all throughout Scripture. It's a battle today. What the flesh wants and what God wants sometimes are the same things and sometimes mm-hmm. they're not. And so I have to flesh that out in myself, how much of what I'm hearing, perceiving, understanding that God's calling me to is actually what God's calling me to versus mm-hmm. what I just want more of for myself. And it, it's... You know, I thought... Just- we're talking about the spirit and the flesh, pop, thoughts popped in my mind. We, we always talk about the, the spirit willing, the flesh is weak. We usually talk about that in context of a sinful, you know, sinfulness in our lives. Like, you know, God, I want to do better. My spirit's willing, but I'm, my flesh is failing me here at this point. And nothing wrong with that. I think that's biblical that we, the Holy Spirit, you know, not today's topic, but work inside of me and help me and work with me to overcome this. But we rarely talk about... Um, Spirit's willing, flesh is weak in context of leadership or ministry or, or doing something for God. Um, and I know for me personally, sometimes I, I can pray in, in sinfulness, God, my flesh is weak. But when it comes to ministry stuff, this shouldn't be the case. But sometimes it's, you know, God, I'm, thank you that you've equipped me. You know, it's, it's almost like a flesh has got this kind of thing. Um, and that maybe shouldn't be, you know. Um, it, 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 maybe that prayer should be God... I'm I'm just a vessel you're using, um, and without you, I'm not going to be able to do anything today. You know, a danger for me. Um, you guys can probably relate. We've been in the ministry a while, so we've we've done this Sunday morning gig and these you know Wednesday night gigs and these home groups for a long time. Um, we know the routine, and we can show up. And you know, I've got illustrations tucked away from years, and you know, I got enough stories and Bible verses and. Um, that I could deliver even something godly, but in but in my own flesh, and uh, then not be dependent upon the Spirit of God to. Did I, I may have just gone way off track here, but no, I, um, I think it's it's possible for us to do things out of our own flesh that aren't even uh, allowing the Spirit of God to do what He needs to do and He wants to do in a situation. Well, I think that's that is actually very on point because we could do church without God ever showing up. And honestly, for a lot of a lot of places, I, I hope not here, but but I've been in part of something before, or things before where nothing would have changed. If God never showed up, nothing would have changed because 
We had everything down musically. We had the preaching down. But there was a sense of a lack of power. And so even though you, you could go through the motions, there would not be the spiritual result that that you can only know from a spiritual perspective, right? Because yeah. you don't have to have somebody walk down the aisle for there to be spiritual result. A lot of times the change is internal, and you may not see that evidenced for a while. But But Jesus said it very clearly. He said, look... If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. And I think that applies to when God calls us to a task or when God calls us to um, a people or a place and, and he sends us missionally. Rarely do I ever say, God, you're calling me to that? Awesome. I am perfectly equipped for that. Now, there could be some excitement because I, I have a passion for it. But rarely do I say to God, if ever, honestly, man, I am the right guy. I mean, you yeah. have, ch- God, you have chosen well. Yes. Good yeah. job. Right. It's normally like, run that by me again? Are you sure? Are you positive that's what you want me to do? Yeah. Um, because, again, it's about relationship, isn't it? Isn't that what he's looking for? Yeah. What's the old saying? He He's looking for those that are available. Not able, but available. Um, and I love what Vance Havner says. He says, stop praying, God, use me. Start praying, Lord, make me usable. Yeah, because God is difference. already using us. I believe this. He is already using us as much as he can based on our availability. Not so, as much as he could, but as much as he can. So let's let's push the issue here a little bit. Let's, okay. let's rub on this thing a little bit. Um, so God throughout history, biblically exactly, no doubt, he, he chose those that were available, um, maybe even the wo- those that were less air quote, equipped in in the world sense, um, and God used ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. So if God's done that uh, throughout the Bible, and then you even read uh, great revival movements in history, God used very ordinary people um, for extraordinary things. So if that's all the case, the nature of God has not changed. Um, now here's the rub. When we, uh, your typical church goes out to hire somebody, to come on position, what's the first step we typically do? We look at resumes yeah. and, and we look at backgrounds and we, we come from a very, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying we're not going to keep doing this, but we look at it from a very worldly um, yeah. experience sense. And, and rarely do we ask the question of, Hey, tell me about the spirit moving in your life. You know, um, we look at talent, we look at skills, we looked at, uh, you know, these kind of things. And, I don't know. Maybe we got that wrong. Maybe we should be looking more at at the calling itself. Um, hmm. What do you think, Brent? You have that look of <laughs> you have that look of deep thought. This could go so many different ways. Take it. Run with it. it to me, the the essence of this, I, one of the things that I try to help people grasp is that many times we're asking wrong questions. And when you ask wrong questions, you get wrong answers. So how do we change our thought process to ask God questions, ask the right questions? So for me, this whole topic, what's the God question in this? And I think if there's a way for us to look at our spirit the essence of who we are, our soul, our heart, through the spiritual lens, what will we see? Will we see a heart that's crusted 
that's old, that's dying, that is is buried in sediment and is being used to the full capacity of not much? Or are we going to see a heart that is passionately pursuing God, that is desiring more, that every day says, this is the day the Lord has made, and I want to live it to the fullest. I want more of you, Holy Spirit, God. I want to change the world for you. I want to impact the world for you. I don't want the glory. I want you to receive the glory. I want your name and your renown to be sung from the mountaintops because of the obedience in my heart toward you. And so what's, what's the difference in those two thought processes? What is it that we see? And if we see somebody who's passionately pursuing Christ, they're going to answer the very topic that we're talking about of how do you how do you follow God when you don't have all the resources or don't have have the, the the scene provision. If you have somebody that you ask that question to that's passionately pursuing Christ, and you ask that same question to someone who's not passionately pursuing Christ, you're going to get two radically different answers. Because the one that's passionately pursuing Christ says, I have no idea, but it's going to be a journey, and I can't wait to get started, and I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and this is the day, and, and just positive, yeah. positive, positive. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but the Holy Spirit's going to provide. Yeah. you got the other one who has been beaten up by life, and uh, no excuses. It's just, I, and I've been there. I I. I I don't know if I could follow Christ today. I can't even get out of the bed. Life stinks right now. But I, you know, where's my heart's desire? Do I want more of him? Do I want to pursue him? Do I want him to give me a great, incomprehensible plan to accomplish in this life? Do I want that? Mm -hmm. And because if I don't, he's not going to give it to me. And so anything that he gives me is going to feel overwhelming that I'm under-equipped for because I'm not doing anything in the moment. And so to me, that's kind of where the rub is. Looking at, at ourself through the spiritual lens, through a spiritual mirror, and seeing is it a heartbeat that's vibrant, that is pushing forth, that is that is eager for more of God, or am I stagnant? Because everything's going to be overwhelming to me if I'm stagnant. If I'm passionately pursuing, it might be, wow, I don't know how I'm going to make that happen. But there's an excitement. There's a joy. There's an anticipation of what God can do. Now, all of that, honestly, that's really from a spiritual perspective. Because we're not. that doesn't answer the, the necessarily the physical, e- emotional, financial stuff that we were kind of mentioning at the beginning. But I think, I think the same principle applies. I think it does, but but is it fair to say that the the one who is in tune with Christ and the spiritually mature is is going to have that kind of yes, God can do it. I know what the Scripture says; it's going to happen. I just have to have faith. Or, or is it or is it really still a wrestling with the flesh? Because from the great men and women of faith that I've seen, they have that kind of perspective. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know God will provide. But they vacillate between that and, oh, God, if you don't show up, you know, I mean, I look at oh. Elijah. Elijah was on the top of his game, yeah. and, you know, all he had was that one Jezebel speak ill of him, and he runs away and falls under a tree and says, oh, Lord, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be better I wasn't born, you know, how could... And so, Jonah, Jonah, Elijah. Yeah. They, yeah they, all of the... You know, I mean, all of these guys, so... Yeah. Not only do I vacillate week to week, it's like day to day. Like, I understand yeah. exactly what you're that's saying. That's because your faith is weak, brother. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Please, everybody in listener land, pray for me. Um, they could get on Facebook and have that conversation. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. Sound like another podcast. Yeah. Um, but so I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that we shouldn't have faith, but I know that for me, I've, I don't see a lot that's impossible, but I have those times where 
I look at the mountain and I go, man, that's an awful big mountain. I know cognitively yeah. and I know biblically that God says there is nothing that is impossible with me. But I also know the reality of that mountain is staring me in the face. And so... As as we're you're saying all this, I'm thinking of the Psalms, you know, that David wrote the vast majority of them, and they're up and down and up and down. Yeah. It's, you know, He's an great, emotional wreck half of the yeah, time. Yeah, joyful, you know, great is the Lord, and then, oh, God, kill my enemies. Uh, it just, you know, he's all over the place, but man after God's own heart, King David himself. Um, so do we have to have it all together every minute? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, let me go back and clarify because I don't. I don't want it to be. <laughs> this is beat up Brent. I don't. Welcome. I don't want it to be misconstrued. I, I, knew I was what not you were saying. I, I do, but yeah. let, just for listener land, I want them to hear what I actually was saying <laughs> from the horse's I, mouth. I, our wins. Looking back, you know, they say that hindsight's twenty twenty, and when we look at the wins, that helps us for the future. So looking at the past, looking at where God has shown up is a confirmation, is a is a reminder, is a comfort of when I'm struggling that I know that He will provide, yeah. and I, and to me that's that's that that passion in the heart of I I don't understand while I'm going while this is going on and I don't know how I'm gonna make it through the day and I, and I I acknowledge God if you don't show up this is gonna fail but. Your, your your promises are true, so it's it's going back on Hold where on. he has won, where he has provided, where he has promised, and reminding myself yeah. of that, and I, and and that's where that joy comes from. Not the, hey, I'm a Christian, yay, yeah, yeah. nothing's ever wrong, yay. Not that perspective, but a reminder of who he is. It's, it's the comfort of the Holy Spirit yeah. because of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, it is peace, it is these different beautiful attributes of God. That I have to rely on those when I have those questions of life. I have never put that together before. That the fruit of the Spirit is simply the attributes of God made manifest in our life. And that's why it's more How than just the ones. you never taught me that before, dude? <laughs> that's why it's that more than like just the ones that are listed. Here we go. Blown. Holy smokes. That is so incredible. Well, there you go. Did you know that? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, never, I say yes, but I never I'm put that I, together yeah. before. Yeah. So yeah. that's why what you're doing with our students is so important because you're teaching them the character and the nature and the attributes of God so that when they have a life event that rocks their planet, mm. they go back and they say, This is scary, but mm -hmm. I have a God who did this in Genesis who mm -hmm. did this in Exodus, who did this in Numbers, mm -hmm. who did this in, De well, nothing in Deuteronomy. Cause that, no, but I mean, he, they can go back and yeah. say, you know what? If God has God. done that, that's my God. Yeah, He will be faithful in my life and present in my life. But also connecting what he did, Old Testament and New Testament, to what he has already done in our lives. Absolutely. Even yeah. when we can't there's, recognize there's it. confirmation when I when I grasp that the God of peace is the God of peace in the Old Testament, New Testament, and today, and I, I can see where peace has helped me in my life. Yeah. I know that peace is an answer. Henry Blackaby, I think, calls those the spiritual markers, the times in our mm -hmm. lives where we know without a doubt that God brought us through a season of life. We we mark those down. And it's very difficult to see them in the midst of it, but right. the hindsight you see it. It's perfect. Yeah. So how do we make markers in our life? Because we are we're digital now 
uh, I guess partly that is that is one of the benefits of Facebook is we can go and we can say this is what God did, and hopefully it'll pop up in our feed uh, years later or whatever. That actually happened to me the other day. Some, that it it actually popped up in somebody else's feed and they shared it mm-hmm. again, and I saw it. And I'm like, whoa, God did that. And cool enough, the dates. It was like a couple of years from from the original exact, posting yeah. to when I saw it, but it was the exact day that I huh. was dealing with something that was 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 like what I had dealt. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the timing was just perfect. I know for Shannon and I, we have a blessing book. She Shannon started this. She's the scribe in the family. <laughs> she started writing down every time God blessed us. It started in in high in in when we were first married in college and then into seminary. And we call it a blessing book. And so we just have a whole marriage full of blessings so that one day we can go, well, we do every now and then, but we can go back and read them and say, wow, remember when God did this? Remember when God did this? And then hopefully our kids will read it to our grandkids, and that's a legacy left left to them. So how do you keep markers? How do you mark the things of God to remember those in times of trouble? For me, I, I journal as well, but it's a little bit different. It's not... From a blessings perspective, it's when I feel like I've heard something from God that God has spoke to me in a in a certain way that I don't want to let that go, or or it's a deep question that I don't have an answer for that I want to investigate. And so many times I'll I have a question. There's several people that I might email or have a conversation with, but journaling the big events, especially like mission trips, I'm always journaling and taking pictures and seeing God stories and going back and reviewing those. So that's me. It's not every day wake up and and hand journal, but it's more of the major highlights and notes. Cool. <laughs> Do you have a system? No, I uh, I have started journaling probably four hundred times, times in my yeah, life. You know, <laughs> I I should be better at that. I'm a bad Christian, um, but I need to do better. <laughs> but uh, you know, for me, I guess a lot of them are just straight up in my memory banks, which is not the best route. But um, but a lot of them are just memories. Uh, yeah, social media over the last. I don't know, 10 years or so maybe, but, um, yeah, before that God is, yeah, there's definitely some spiritual markers in my past that I have that I remember vividly, um, that I do go back to and retelling the stories of the spiritual yeah, marker yes. stories. I do that with teenagers yeah. on a regular basis, several specific major things that I feel it's happened in my life in the last two to three years, I'll share on a regular basis. And that's as much for me as it is for my family, as it is for those who I don't want to make the mistake or go through the same situation. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's where the Holy Spirit comes in, and He reminds us of these things mm-hmm. when we need them. Uh, at least I, th- I think He does that more often than not. But I think on our part, trying to record them is a good thing. In the yeah. Scripture, in the Old Testament particularly, God constantly said, make an altar. You know, take mm-hmm. stones or, or, yeah. or do something and mark this place. Yeah. So many things in the Old Testament are marked by names of events, right. and it's always a, it's always to remind people because our our story needs to be passed on to the next generation and the next generation, and it's not going to be passed on if it's verbal. Yeah. It has to be written down some way. Yeah. Um, I'm like you, Kevin. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I've tried journaling a thousand times, yeah. but. Um, and I'm not even a picture taker. It's funny when we go on mission trips, you know, this Brent, uh, I'll take pictures of food. That's pretty much my extent of pictures. Me as well. I have to have, <laughs> maybe that's, I have to have somebody else do pictures. Cause I'll, I'll take a, a two week trip to the most amazing planet, uh, place on the planet. And I'll come back with three pictures. Nice. All of them are food. So, yeah. uh, 
There you go. I'm there. That's, I don't know what else we can say. So, so original question. We got a few minutes here left. Original question was: What do we do when uh, we feel like God is asking we, us to do something yeah, that we don't feel we equipped don't enough, to do? Yeah. So, closing thoughts on that. What? My closing thoughts: I think that we remember who God is, and remember that if God has called, secure the call first. Test the spirit. Test the spirit. Mm-hmm. Did God really say? And if we, if the answer to that is yes, we start walking, and let God fill in the bridge in accordance to our faith. Mm-hmm. And at the very worst, we can fail because we were being obedient to God. And that's not failure. Mm. Um, but I don't think we'd even fail. I think it's totally different. But if we have to think worst case scenario, I would rather fail in faith than fail in fear. Yeah, That's quotable right there, boys. I agree. I would rather fail, fail in, in faith, faith than fail in fear. Yeah, Because fear is a liar. Is a liar. <laughs> That sounds like a song. I mean, that would it. be an incredible song. Um, so that's that's what I think. I resonate with that. I would add, for me, surround yourself with godly people who can point you toward him, not yeah. going around, as the Bible says, to 20 people until you get told <laughs> what it is that you want somebody to agree with, the tickling of the ears, the false teaching, the false prophecy, things of that nature that we're warned against in Scripture. But surround yourself with godly people who will hold you accountable, which means you have to be held accountable. You can't hold someone accountable that's not willing to be held that mm-hmm. way. But be accountable to other godly people who can help you and give you godly counsel. Mm-hmm. I would say uh, daily less of me and uh, more of God. Um, and uh, just to, for me, it'd be depending less and less on myself and more and more on God in every single situation. Um, God, give us the the big Give us the big callings that when I say big, I don't mean large crowds or whatever, but just give us a bigger calling than than what we feel equipped to do. And then God put me in that place where I have to depend upon you in that situation. Um, and the, the only way our part in that is to then put ourselves in the relationship with God and more strongly in the relationship with God day by day by day, where we are asking uh, for for that that we can't do, asking God, your spirit to flow through me. Um, make me a giant of the faith, Amen. you know, so that people see your spirit and not me at all. Um, and I think for those of us that have been in a while, the longer we go in, in ministry, paid ministry, the more and more we have to make that prayer because it's, it's so easy for us to be dependent upon ourselves um, and just do what we know how to do. Yeah, but, absolutely. But God, get us outside of ourselves. Do something extraordinary. And, you know, I would add to that um, that, we oftentimes want God to do extraordinary things through us, but we're not willing to be obedient in the next step. Mm. We, we, we want to skip all the tedious, minuscule, mm. obscure things so that we can be a hero for God. Yeah. And the Scripture is very clear. If you are faithful in the little things, yep. then I'll trust you with bigger things. Right. And the reason he does that is, I think, because he's testing and purifying our heart. And equipping, training. And equipping He's getting us and closer training. to him, yeah. I shudder to think if God would have answered my dreams 10 years ago, <laughs> the mess that I would have made, <laughs> I was so ill-equipped, and um, I'm grateful. I heard it said yesterday that the sweetest time in a person, the most productive time, in a, I think it was a Pew report that came out with this, if I'm not mistaken. I heard it secondhand. The most productive time in a person's life is in their 60s. 
That is encouraging. Yeah, we still got time. We still got time. <laughs> All right. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up, boys. As always, it's a pleasure and an honor. And we'll talk again next week. Thank you for listening to Messy Christianity. Three guys talking about life, faith, and everything in between. You want to know more? Check us out at www.storypointchurch.com or www.messychristianity.com.